This morning I want to continue to talk about what we started a couple weeks ago, and that is living a first-rate Christian life. And uh, we spent the last couple weeks kind of setting it all up. We talked about numerous things, and I'm not going to go back and and revisit all that, or we'll never get into what I really want to talk about today. So I'm going to talk today about submission. Submission is such an important element of a Christian's life. It is really the most important thing, the first thing that we have to do if we're going to be a Christian, let alone a first-rate Christian. We need to submit. And we're going to talk about submission, and we're going to see it's a little bit difficult. This is probably one of those more difficult subjects to talk about, even though it may not seem like it. But as we dig into this a little bit, I think you're going to see why it's difficult for us to submit. In our first rate, or in our effort of living a first rate Christian life, there are a number of things we must do. We have a responsibility to do in our Christian walk, and not just experience the salvation, the free salvation that Jesus gives us, because He does give us a free salvation. It's, that is a gift. But we have to operate and we have to walk in it. And we need to do it in a way that people see Jesus in us. We don't live for ourselves. We are living for people. We are living to be light of the world. And unless we show the light of the world through a proper Christian perspective, through a proper submissive attitude, people don't see Jesus the way they're supposed to see Jesus. And so that's our responsibility. So we're going to talk about that today. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some other areas to do that we must continue to work on to be a first-rate Christian. But I found on the Internet the, uh, a nice, interesting phrase here that I think kind of, is, kind of sets it, sets it, um, puts it in a good light, kind of summarizes it at the very beginning. It said, find a person who understands submission to authority, and you'll see a person who is humble, full of love, unselfish, accountable, and personally responsible. Find a person who does not understand submission to authority, and you'll see a person who is prideful, full of criticism, selfish, self-ruled, and spiritually irresponsible. There's a pretty big difference between the two, isn't there? So from our earliest days, we are encouraged to become our own person. We are encouraged to be the boss, to make it to the top, to be the best, to be in control of our life and control of our own destiny. By the way, it's the American dream. It's what all of America is established on, is, is the striving to become independent, to be on my own, to be financially secure, not to be anybody's employee, but to be the employer, to be the boss. That's what we want. That's, that's just within us. So then is it any wonder why then we have a hard time submitting to God? With that kind of an ingrained nature, that kind of an upbringing, that's no wonder then we struggle sometimes in the area of submission. And I don't think it's any coincidence that the thing that made America great, and that is the freedoms and the choices that we have when we work hard to make our way to the top, to gain our financial independence and, 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 and to do all that. And that's not bad. I'm not saying that's bad at all. But unfortunately, most strengths become our weakness at the same time. That ability that we have in America to do that is also, in many ways, the demise of America. 
Because now we become so dependent upon ourselves that we think that, it, that we're the little God, that we made it happen. Like we talked about the 4th of July Sunday, we gain our independence really through our dependence on Jesus. We are not independent in our own right. The way we gain independence is through Jesus, and that is through a complete submission to him as our Lord. So with all of the, the nature ingrained, it's not, un, it's not hard to understand then why we have a hard time living out this first-rate Christian life. What's also interesting about the area of submission is that everyone's area of struggle is different. I don't struggle in submission in the same areas that you struggle in. You struggle in different areas. I'm easier to submit in some things than you are. And it's the same way you, you more easily can submit in areas that I struggle with. So we're independent. We're different. But it's all absolutely necessary that you, in those areas that you struggle in, that you learn, you force yourself to be submissive to the authority structure that God has set up. That's the first step in living a, ple a life pleasing to God is being in submission to God. And it's also, it's not about us. It's not, it's not important that I live a life of satisfaction and ultimate control of what I think or what I want, but we must come to the understanding that living a Christian life is living about Jesus, living for Jesus and not Jesus living for us. He didn't come to make me rich. He didn't come to give me a life of, of pleasure. He came to bring me an eternal life. And now I live for him. He doesn't live for me. Let's keep that in our right perspective. That Who is the boss? You know, it's not always fun to be the boss, just so you know that. The boss really has more authority and he has more responsibility Sometimes it's really easier to be the follower. Think about that a little bit. Submission is the hardest thing for a man to do and to keep doing in their life. I can't think of anything harder for a man to do than to submit to another man or to God. I think that is the hardest thing to do. And ultimately, it's the most important thing that must be done in order for us to live a first-rate Christian life. God created all of us with the ability to choose. We are all given that ability in our lives to make choices according to our own free will. Understand that that power of choice that God gave us, it is our choice to live or our choice to die. He gave us that choice. It is our choice. What do I do? What do you do? It's that powerful. That choice to accept Jesus or not, it's your choice. It's your choice to submit or not. Submission is required, absolutely vital, but yet it's not, it's not mandated on me. God gave me the freedom to make a choice so important that we understand that and we can't blame anybody or anything for the choices that I make or I don't make. It's really the buck stops with me and I have to understand that. But God provides a way for us to live 
through Jesus Christ. He gives us the way. He gives us a very clear, distinct way for us to live. And he wants us to choose him. There's no question about that. God created us to enjoy our companionship. He created us because he wants us to enjoy him. And he wants to enjoy us. He made us. He created us in his own image so that we then can have a relationship with him through our spirit man. And if we're going to be submissive to him, then we must understand the significance of that. And I think before we can go any further, let's, let's find out what is the root of, of unsubmissiveness. What do you think it is? What do you think the root of the cause is? It's the same problem that Satan had. It's the same problem that Lucifer had while he was still in the heavenlies. That one word is pride. Pride stops men from being submissive to God. Pride is the root of the problem, and it began in the heart of Lucifer before man was ever created. Pride is the root cause of sin in the world today, and it is a major stumbling block for us in our attempt to live a first-rate Christian life. So how do we correct or change the pattern of pride? We do that through our active submission and repentance. We must take control, take authority in our own life and understand that we are in charge of that in our life. It is my choice. It is your choice. And I have to actively pursue that and I have to actively, actively submit my life to God. Understand that it was Satan's pride that had him removed from heaven in the first place. It was his lack of submission that became the first sin in the universe. Pride was the cause of it then, and it still is today. Let's look at Isaiah. and give, It gives us the account of Lucifer's demise in heaven. Lucifer was the name that God gave the angel, Lucifer, before he fell from heaven. And I know Lucifer sound, is an evil-sounding name today because we associate it with Satan, but that was his name. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14 says, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, dawn, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. That was Lucifer's heart. Now let me ask you some questions. Why did Lucifer fall from heaven in the first place? Were there some bad things going on up there that he needed to avoid? Was God losing control of the universe and Satan had to bail out to save himself? Was the economy bad? The neighborhood falling apart. He wanted to move to a better location. Did he need a new job? No, those are all silly answers. I understand that. Lucifer did not remove himself from heaven. Lucifer was cast out of heaven. He was thrown out of heaven because pride entered his heart and he felt that he was as good as God and decided that he didn't want to be or need to be submissive to him any longer. 
That was the cause of Satan. That's where he came from. Because a little root of pride set up in an angel's heart. Understand, they were free agents as well. They still are free agents as well. But Jesus didn't come to save angels. Jesus came to save men. We, human beings created in his own image, have an opportunity then when we fall, when we rebel, when we are lack of, when we don't submit, we have a, we have a way out. It wasn't Satan's idea to leave. It wasn't Lucifer's idea to leave heaven. He didn't leave on his terms. He left on God's terms. And that was to eternal destruction. That was to a lake of fire for Lucifer and for all those that follow him. So what happens then in, in, when pride sets in? What happens in our hearts? Let's look at some of the characteristics that happen in Lucifer's heart. Let's look back at Isaiah and read the five I sentences. He said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Who is it all about here? It's all about who? Yeah, it's all about Lucifer. And as I relate that to my life, it's all about me. When I say that I want that I want to become, that I deserve, that I am. It, it's, it's the beginning of pride setting in my life like the pride began and crept into, into Lucifer's life. He began to desire things that weren't rightfully his to desire. He became envious of the worship that rightfully belonged to God. He became discontented with the position God rightly gave him. He wanted more. Greed set in. He wanted the power to control not only his life, but those around him. He wanted to take over the universe. He wanted to sit on God's throne. There's a lot of similarities in Satan's fall from heaven and some of the same issues that we have today in our life and that we're warned about having um, when we have a love for the world, as in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. So now let's look back and compare this to what Lucifer was dealing with. Lucifer he began to desire things that weren't rightfully his to desire in the first place, and that's worship. Let's look back on 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. The cravings of sinful man. We have the same situation happening in our life. We are desiring things that aren't rightfully ours. Satan became discontented with the position God rightly gave him. He wanted more which basically is the lust of our eyes, the lust of the eye. We see things and we want it. Greed sets in and we become greedy for more. And then he wanted power to control not only his life but those around him. And he wanted to take over the universe. Basically, that's the boasting of what he has or, has, or does. So we, we fit into the same exact mold that Satan was in when he fell from heaven. Basically, it's the same three elements of Lucifer's fall are still common to man today. He hasn't changed much. 
he's still out to destroy mankind with pride and rebellion or basically a lack of submission. Now, what did he get? What did Satan get as a result of his pride and rebellion? This is the answer you probably don't expect, but he got exactly what he asked for. He got his kingdom. He wanted to be the ruler of a kingdom. He has it. The dark kingdom, this world. Satan is the prince of this world. He is the kingdom of this world. He has the worship of his demons that fell with him from heaven. He has that. God gave him the desires of his heart. But understand the consequences that came with that also. With that, when you aren't for God, you're against God. Therefore, not only does he have his kingdom and his worshipers, but he has his eternal destiny, which is separation from God. And that separation from God is eternal torment, is eternal damnation in hell. So Satan got exactly what he asked for. So be careful. You might as well. What do you want in your life? What are you asking for? What do you really want? What are you really seeking? Because we are free agents, because God has given us the power of choice, he might just give you what you're asking for. But is it what you want? Is it what God has intended for you? It's also interesting to note that Satan's pride didn't come at the beginning of his existence. This wasn't the first thing that Satan did. Satan wasn't a newbie in heaven when pride entered in. Satan was probably, Lucifer was probably one of the first angels God created. He was probably the senior angel in the heavenlies. He was beautiful. He was intelligent. He was a worship leader. He was one of the archangels. I mean, Lucifer had it all. And it wasn't really until later, we don't know exactly how long, we don't know that. The Bible doesn't tell us how long they existed before this all happened. But what's so significant about it is that in his maturity, Lucifer fell. What does that tell me today in my life? I have to be careful for the same thing. In my maturity, I can fall. Lack of submission is not a new Christian's sin. It's the mature Christian's sin. It's where we can have a problem falling into that lack of maturity because we've arrived, so we think. We're beyond it, so we think. And all of a sudden, that element of pride sets in. That element of, I don't need to know anymore. I've already been taught that. I don't need to go to Sunday school anymore. I don't need to have Bible studies. I don't need to associate and fellowship with other Christian believers because I'm my own man. I'm my own Christian man. I'm mature in the faith. The Bible says, pride goeth before a fall. And that's exactly what happened to Lucifer. And that'll be exactly what happens to man, and it happens all the time to men. It happens to men that are high levels of ministry. It happens to men that are high levels of, account, of, of lack of accountability. They get into a situation where they don't think that they are under anyone's dominion or authority. They are their own man. 
And that's exactly where Satan wants to put you in today. That's where he likes you to be because that's where he can work on you because that's where he knows when you come out from under the authority of God that you are ripe for the picking. So mature believer here this morning, understand this message is for you. This message is to guard your heart against having that that sense of pride coming in to say, I don't need anymore. I've got it all put together. I've got it all figured out. Well, let me tell you right now, we don't have it figured out. We can never grasp God. We can never grasp the awesomeness of who this God is. So many times that is exactly what keeps mature Christians from entering into new types of worship. That's what keeps us from moving into new areas of expressing God's greatness and goodness because we've never done it that way before. We don't need to do that because I've already got it figured out. God likes it when I worship with my hands in my pockets. God likes it when I worship when I sit down. God likes it when I worship when I lay down in front. Yes, He does. But God also likes it when I raise my hands. God also likes it when I walk in the woods. God also likes it when I come in on Wednesday nights. See, the thing is, God is so indescribable that we talked about this morning that we can never even begin to fathom who this God is. Therefore, we can never put him in a box of this is the way I worship him in my mature years of being a mature Christian person. Understand, family and friends here, that we all are Christian family. We are babes. We are baby Christians, whether we know it or not. Well, I may be 80 years old, but I'm a baby. We don't even begin to understand what eternity is about. The awesomeness of what God's going to be like. The awesomeness of heaven and, and all the new ways that we're going to find to worship God in heaven. Let's not put him in a box on earth. Let's not put him in a, in a spiritual box. But let's be teachable. And let's have a submissive attitude. Let's have a teachable attitude. Let's have an attitude that says, God, whatever you want to do in my life, do it. Whatever you want to move in my life, move it. Whatever you want to restructure in my life, restructure it. I don't want to be the same person as we sang about this morning. I want more of God. I want to be different. I don't want to be the same I was yesterday. I want to be different. I want to have a life within me that's living and growing and changing and moving and shaping myself after the way God wants me to be, the way the Holy Spirit wants to move in my life. That's my desire, and that should be every, every mature Christian's desire. Remember, we come unto Jesus as a little children. He said, come to me as a little child comes, not as a mature Pharisee. He doesn't want Pharisees. He wants children with innocent attitudes. And, and, and the awesome look of big eyes when they see something new happening. Not a shunning it of that. We don't do it that way. We can't do that. We don't do it that way here. Well, the Holy Spirit's got something for us all to learn. And we need to be willing to hear it and live in it and walk in it. Yes, it might push you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Yes, it might put you in a little bit of stress. But that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. A little bit of new, newness in your life is okay. Have a little bit of, of, of anxiety when it comes to doing something different. It's only for your good. It's only because he loves you so much that he doesn't want to give you the same old stuff all the time. 
So we are to be on guard this morning and realize the importance of having a humble and teachable spirit. That no one in this room is beyond being taught something new from God's word or continuing to grow in the spiritual life that the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to live in. Romans chapter 13, the first two verses says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And then skipping down to verse 5, it says, Therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. So, so when we submit, we're to submit first off to God, that's very clear, but we're also to submit to governing authorities. Now what are governing authorities? Namely, they are men without names, but titles instead. They are men without names, but titles. We have to learn to submit to the authority structure that God has established in our land and in our organizations that we are part of. When we are to submit to different organizations or different officials, remember, we're not submitting to people. Our, just like our warfare is not against people, we're not submitting to people. We're submitting to the authority structure that God has established. So when you submit parents or children to your parents, you're submitting to God. Wives, when you submit to your husbands, you're submitting to God. Husbands, when you love your wives as the church loved the church, you're submitting to Jesus. When you come in and when you submit to a pastor, you're not submitting to the man, you're submitting to the office of pastor. That's really important because we have a lot of church splits over people. We have a lot of problems over people, but we're just people. But when we submit to an authority figure, we're, we're submitting really to God. It said right there in Romans that we're submitting to God when we do that. And when we don't do that, we're rebelling against God. You see the significance of that? It's so important that we have to set that in place. Now, right now, we're in a relatively safe spot in our church, so I can talk about this. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have any rebellious issues in this church today. People are fine, and I'm not saying that I'm trying to need, people need to submit to me because it's already happening. It's submitting to the office. But it's so important that we have to continue to do that. We have to submit to government officials, law enforcement agents, school administrators, church leadership. We, are, we, we must submit to people or to those in authority over us. Again, not to the people, but to the authority structure. I have a short video clip I'd like to play, Larry, from Ed Young that talks about living under godly authority. I just don't want you to think this is my idea. Okay? I want you to know that this is biblical, and other people preach this too. So let's play this little clip from Ed Young. God has an authority structure. He always works through authority. It's for our what? Our protection. Now how idiotic would I look if I did this? Wow, it's raining. I, I have this 
umbrella, and I don't know why in the world I can't really see straight. I don't know why in the world I'm being hammered by hail and pelted by all this rain. I, I just, I just don't know. You go, Ed, man, have you lost your mind? Get underneath the umbrella. God wants us to live underneath authority for our protection. For our protection. Because once I get outside of God's protection, what's going to happen? I am subject now to elements that are so strong and so powerful, they can mess me up. I am not tough enough, big enough, or bad enough to take these elements. But when I'm underneath God's authority structure, I am protected. Isn't God good? Authority. God has placed it here for our protection. This, this is in every realm. Once we get into the elements, we're subjecting ourselves to temptations, to forces, to things that will trip us up and cause holes in our crafts. It's not worth it. It's for our protection. God's authority. So the question is this. Do you stay under the authority of God or not? I think he says it very well, doesn't he? There's a good, a good illustration of an umbrella because that's exactly what the authority figure of Christ is over us. It protects us. Submission is the key to living a first-rate Christian life, beginning the first day of your Christian life and not ending until you take your last breath. We never outgrow the requirement for submission. Matthew chapter 10 Verses 37 and 38 says, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. True submission is being willing to give up anything that takes you away from following Jesus. And the meaning of this passage is not that we don't love our parents. Don't get me wrong. Don't misread what this is saying. It's not saying that we have to hate people. It's not saying that at all. It just says we cannot let those relationships be over our relationship with the Lord. We have to be, be submissive first to Christ. And then, we will, then, we, um, then we're worthy of Him. And then if we really want to find our life, be willing to give your life up. Very important that we don't hold on so tightly to what we have. It's so important, parents here and grandparents here, that we model our willingness to be submissive to godly authority so that we in turn teach our children also to be submissive. Let me say that again. It's important that we model our desire, our willingness to be submissive if we want our children to learn to be submissive. What one generation tolerates, the next generation accepts. And by the third generation, it becomes their lifestyle. It's who they are. And Jesus gives us a good illustration of this in John chapter 5, verse 19. He says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Now, I know I'm taking this passage somewhat out of context, and I'm not taking it out of context in a bad way, but what I'm trying to give the principle here is that it's important to realize that our children do what our fathers do. 
Jesus did only what his father did. We dads need to be submissive to authorities to teach our children how to be submissive to authorities. If they see me as a rebellious person, then they're going to be rebellious. If they see me to be self-willed and going to be living my life, I don't need to be submissive to the authority. I don't need to be submissive to that police officer. I don't need to be submissive to that tax agent. I don't need to be submissive to my employer because I'm my own man. If that's what you're teaching your children, you're teaching them damnation. You're teaching them not to live a godly life. Children do what fathers do, good or bad. So be careful that you teach them godly ways, that you're not teaching them to submit to ungodly authorities, but to godly authorities. And be careful that you see what you're doing and how it impacts their life. Paul has other comments on how this relates to the process of submission in the book of Romans and how we are to give up control of our sinful nature to the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, it says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit does. Or desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful man is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So again, we're giving a strict warning now that we must submit to godly authority because if I don't submit, then I am hostile to God. I can't live two ways. I can't have it both ways here. Romans chapter 6, 16 says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey, to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one to whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. It is our responsibility to choose who and what we are going to be obedient to. You will either be an obedient to sin... You'll either be a slave to sin or you'll be a slave to righteousness. One of the two. And then we know, according to Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. So we have to be sure that we are submitting ourselves to God so that we don't fall under the wages of sin. And then here is a verse that we all should memorize. It's a simple verse and a half. James chapter 5. Verse 7 through 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Let's look at that. Look at the order of these words. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Say that with me. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He doesn't say resist the devil first. First, submit yourself to God. Get your life in a submission role to God. Then stand and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Don't think the devil knows if you're not submitted. Don't think that you're going to fool him into being submission and that you are submitted to God and think you're going to have any authority over him. Don't think that you can fool him that you are really one of God's royal priesthood, that you have fully submitted to him 
Because he's much more powerful than you in your own right. We only have power over Satan when we submit to Christ. When we have the righteousness of Christ in our hearts and our lives, then we're powerful. But understand, the devil will see through it. He's not stupid. He knows if you're a submitted Christian. He knows if you are a first-rate Christian. He sees your life. He's watching your actions. He's listening to what you say. He's understanding it. He knows if you're submitted. Therefore, he knows if he has to be submitted to you or not. But you can't fool him. You might fool yourself. You might fool others around you. But you're not going to fool Christ. And you're not going to fool the devil. You'll be made a fool of if you, don't, if you think you can do that and get away with it. We've been speaking on spiritual warfare on Wednesday, Wednesday nights. And it's imperative that we understand the warring going on around us. And even as we sit here this morning, there is a battle over your willingness to submit or not. There's a battle going on around you, maybe within you. Maybe you're feeling something sense up within you that says, I, I, I'm going to submit to some things, but I'm not going to submit to all things in my life. Well, if you haven't submitted to all things, you haven't submitted to anything. Understand that. Don't think you can play the game here with God. Don't think you can play it with the devil. They know what is happening. God knows your sins. You cannot run from God. You cannot hide from Him. You cannot go anywhere that He doesn't know where you're at. So as we get ready to conclude this morning, I have a handout that I'd like to have Jenna and Anna hand out. And what this is, this is a personal evaluation that I would like you to fill out. You don't hand it in. Don't share it with anybody because it's very personal. But I want you to think about the areas in your life that need to be submitted. I just rolled down all I could think of, and there's probably more areas. You probably have different areas than what I've put on here. But I would like you, over the next week, to take this as a devotional time and read through this. And then add your own to the list that you're struggling with or maybe that are for you that maybe I didn't write down. And then there's three categories. You're either submitted, you're working on being submitted, or you're just not going to submit. But be honest about this. Be honest when you look through this evaluation. Look at this as a pre-examination, if you will, because these are the types of questions that you're going to be asked on Judgment Day. You can come, Jackie. These are the types of questions. These are the things that God's going to look at you and say, Wow, Mike, how'd you do in the area? First of all, did you have a heart for me? Were you saved? Okay, that's number one. Secondly, was I, how did I, what did I do with the Holy Spirit? Was I baptized in the Holy Spirit? Or what was my philosophy about that? Did I accept it? Did I walk in it? Did I operate in it? Did I accept the working of the Holy Spirit in my life? Did I love God with everything I have? Did I put others first? Did I love God over worldly possessions? Did I Bible read and study and pray? Did I come corporately together with other believers? Did I come to church? Did I be a participant in Bible studies or prayer times? Was I a godly steward in tithing and giving? 
Who did I, who did I hang with? Who were my friends? Did I pick good friends? Did I witness for Christ? Was I submissive to this list of authorities? It's so important that we keep ourselves in this role of, of submission. Our natural man and the enemy of our soul will reduce this just to another sermon. But listen to the Holy Spirit this morning and submit to his leadership and his conviction in your life while you have the chance. The enemy doesn't like it when we talk about his demise. He doesn't like it when we tell his story because it's a story of failure. It's a story of ultimate defeat. It may not look to you today what you're doing as wrong. You may not see it this way. You may see your choices, your life choices as being okay. But I'm just challenging you this morning to be really honest with yourself. To be really honest and, and, and evaluate your spirit. Evaluate your soul. Evaluate your mind. Are you really submitting yourself to God? Are you really purposely giving it the best you can to submit to God? Or are, you, are there areas in your heart that you're holding back? Are there areas that you just don't want to give up? That's exactly where Satan likes to play with your mind. It's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to pick you into partial truths. He wants to have he wants partial commitments. Because if you have a partial commitment, Satan is going to win. A partial commitment will not make heaven. A partial commitment will not give you the answer that you want to hear from Jesus. He will not say, "Well done, partially committed." He doesn't say that. He says, well done, thou good and faithful, that have listened and done as you were instructed to do. So I'm calling out to you this morning, to the best that I can, guard your heart. Evaluate your heart. Do this self-examination today while you have the chance. Do not let pride set its ugly talons in your heart and keep you from doing what God wants you to do. As you close your eyes with me this morning, Lord, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you, Lord, that you would examine our hearts today, that you would be brutally honest with us, Lord, and show us the areas in our life that we think we might have submitted at one point in time, but we failed in today. That we need your conviction power. We need your illumination on the darkness and those little dark recesses of our heart that we think are we're hiding. That area of hidden sin. Lord, I pray that you expose it today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you bring us conviction in that area today. Lord, it's not good enough just to come in and hear a sermon and go home and live the life we want to live. 
It's not good enough. If we're going to be first-rate Christians, if we're going to be the Christian man or Christian woman that's going to go into the throne room of heaven someday and going to throw our throne or our crowns down at your feet and worship you, we have to be first-rate Christians today in our life. Help us, Jesus, in that area. Help us, Holy Spirit. As Jackie sings this song for us, and we sing with her, at the end I'm just going to pray. We're going to go home. But if anyone wants to pray, I'm here at the altar this morning to pray with you. If you want to pray about an area in your life, I'm more than willing to, and others as well. But I really would hope and pray and trust that you'll take this to heart today, that you'll take these and go home and listen and read this list, evaluate yourself, add to it, but really take it seriously. Jackie, if you would lead us, please. Father, we just come before you now. We thank you for this promise. Lord, that when we surrender all, you give all back. (laughs) Not only do you give it back, but you give it back, pressed down, shaken together, flowing over, running over. You give us more than we can ever, ever begin to give to you. So we thank you for that. Lord, this is a message of hope and a message of joy and a message of peace in our spirit that as we surrender and as we really submit unto you, that we are truly giving 
you authority and we are walking under your umbrella of authority and Lord you are protecting us from the onslaughts of the enemy and Lord you are protecting us from our own self in many ways and we thank you for that and we worship you for that and Lord now as we go into our homes today we want to walk in that authority we want to walk in that structure and that submissive spirit and that teachable spirit And Holy Spirit, as we do walk in that, please teach us. Help us to be listening. Help our ears to be attentive to hear. And our spirits tender and quick to move and respond as you would lead us. Bless us as we go now throughout this day, we pray. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.